Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. It's really a joy to be here with my wife, Karen, and we're delighted to be here. We were here uh, three or four years ago before the pandemic, and, and then uh, all that happened, and we've been doing some different things. But I retired after, it was actually 53 years when I received my certificate because of the pandemic and putting off two conferences in 53 years, and now it's 50-some years, more, more years, but I can't remember. No, does that surprise you? <laughs> but anyway, it's a delight to be here. I retired after 23 years at Pacific Christian Center, and I have a very warm spot in my heart for Bakersfield. So I'll just tell you something right now that uh, some of you may know. I have a few folks here that have known me for a long time, but I went from the first to the fifth grade in Bakersfield at the Fremont Elementary School. I don't know how many of you know where that is, but that was the, it was the first year. I was in another big school. I don't remember the name of it. Somewhere looked big to me anyway in, in the first grade. And then in the second grade, I went to the Fremont Elementary and that school was over by the parsonage of the church that my dad pastored. My dad pastored the 10th and L uh, Southside Assembly of God in the 50s. It has since burned down. There's just a vacant lot there. I drove by and just a vacant lot where, where Southside Assembly used to be. But my uncle, Fred Cottrell, my mother's brother, he uh, was the pastor of this church during the building program when these facilities were built and the school and the church. And he was one of my childhood heroes, certainly. He was a bona fide war hero and a great, great man. And I am honored to stand in this pulpit in this church where my uncle had pastored. And this great church that is down through the years has made such a difference in so many ways. And I congratulate you for the work that you've done. And I just want to say this about your interim pastor who's coming in. He would have been here today, but was unable to be here, so sent me. But John Johnson is one of the finest pastors in the Assemblies of God. He is a wonderful, wonderful man with a pastor's heart. And you will know that he loves you, and he'll give you good direction and great preaching. And I'm excited for the fact that he's going to be here on an interim basis and look forward to what the Lord's going to do. And I did welcome my wife, Karen, and also my friends who live in Bakersfield now, but they were, I was their pastor, uh, the Jenkins, many years ago when you were a major in the Air Force. I was at your retirement. I think I prayed at your retirement. It's good to have you folks here. I had some other friends that were coming. If I don't recognize you, it's because I can't see that well anymore. Uh, and I was, one thing I'm grateful to for the Lord, a lot of things I'm grateful for, but I'm grateful for that rail right there, okay? That, because these, these stairs look huge. I used to bound upstairs like this, but now I need a rail, okay? Thank God for rails. When asking the Lord what he would have me to speak on this Communion Sunday, the Lord led me to a passage of Scripture in the book of Romans that really I looked at when I went into the work with Pathway Family Services, and this was a verse that touched my heart in a great way, and it's found in Romans, the 8th chapter, and the 14th to the 15th verses, Romans 8, 14 to 15. If you would uh, find that and follow along, and I know a lot of people are on their phones now, uh, and I don't know whether you're on your Bible or whether you're on Facebook, so I like, the, I like these right here. I like to be able to hear the rustling of the leaves, but anyway, that's okay. Whatever you have, if you'll follow along with me, I want to read this verse of Scripture, and I want to speak on the subject this morning, a happy family. How many of you know we're the part of a happy family, the family of God? 
So let's read about that happy family, beginning at verse 14 of Romans chapter 8. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Regardless of what you think of my sermon this morning, you'll have to admit I chose a great text. And this text touches my heart every time I read it, including just now. The purpose of this message will be to challenge you today, to challenge you to live like the people you are, the people of God, a happy family, that you have an honored position in the family of God. And that's what I want to talk to you about in the next few minutes, your honored position in the family of God. You know, a happy family is vital. A happy family is so important. I thank God that I was brought up in a happy family by Pastor Bob and Francis Bloom. I had a happy family with my children who were little and their mom who passed away eight years ago. We had a very happy family and my kids remark on it all the time and now my grandkids have a happy family and that does my heart good because a happy family means so much. It's the number one goal of most Americans, more important than anything else, to have a happy family, a happy productive family. Let me tell you about a little boy that was born into a circumstance where he certainly wasn't born into a happy family. When I was the uh, chaplain on the Santa, at the Santa Maria Police Department for several years, one night I was in a ride-along with one of the men from my church, and we received a call that a baby was born in an alley behind a liquor store on Main Street. We rushed over. The uh, ambulance was there. They took this baby. There was a lady who was a meth addict. She was in a canvas tent by that liquor store. That was where she lived. And she gave birth to that baby that night in that tent. And when the police officer pulled the curtain back, the umbilical cord was still attached. And that was the circumstance in which that baby was born. Fast forward seven years. I was doing my work representing Pathway at churches, and I received a call from a pastor of a Baptist church in a local community. And he said, Pastor Bloom, we'd like you to come out, and uh, I'd like you to critique my sermon, and then I'd like you to give a, a, just what you want to present about Pathway. And so afterwards, uh, he, there was this little boy, a little Hispanic boy, and he was so happy. He had the most beautiful uh, hair and, and a beautiful smile, and he just loved everybody. He was passing out church bulletins, and he was giving all the little old ladies a hug. They were giving him a pat on the head, and this kid was so happy. The pastor came over to me in the lobby of that church, and he said to Karen and I, he said, you see my son? I said, oh, I didn't know he was your son. He said, yes, he's my son. He said, I adopted him. He said, he's the baby that was born behind that liquor store in Santa Maria. A happy family. I'll tell you, if that doesn't make you rejoice, I don't know what will. That a little boy has a chance, and that will change generations. 
He, his children will have a happy family and their children will have a happy family. And it's a ripple effect. It just goes on and on and on. And I couldn't help myself. Uh, the day after that happened, on that Sunday that happened, I, I go for a long walk every day since I retired. I walked for about an hour and 15 minutes. And I was, I was walking and, and I was just rejoicing in the Lord. And I started singing a song that I learned many, many years ago when I was a kid. And I'm not a singer and you might not like this, but I'm leaving town anyway. Nothing you can do to me, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to sing this song for you. This is a song we used to sing when we were kids. And if you remember this song, some of you might remember it, sing it along with me. And they say that now when they complain about the music, they say it repeats over and over and over again. Well, some of our old music, I'm going to sing one of them for you right now, okay? Happy, 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 happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Happy, 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 happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Where does this happy feeling come from? Jesus! Hey, a couple of you out there. Where does this happy feeling come from? This happy feeling comes from Jesus. He's the one who really frees us. That's where this happy feeling comes from. You didn't believe I'd do it, Karen, but I did. I sang that song. That little boy made me so happy. And all the people in that little church where he was to see that this boy is now in a happy family and he will grow to be a happy, productive, law-abiding citizen. But not everybody has that privilege. Some people carry a lot of baggage through life. They carry a lot lot of scars through life because they didn't have a happy family. Well, I want to encourage you this morning with the Word of God. And I want us to look at our honored position. How many of you are believers here this morning? Say amen. amen. Okay. You are in an honored position. I am in an honored position. And that's what this scripture talks about. So let's, uh, let's begin looking at our honored position. First of all, I want you to see the confidence of our position. The confidence of our position. I'm reading from New King James. And you'll notice there that it says, for as many. For or because. I think the NIV reads, because. Because of what? Well, you have to go up to the 13th. A verse, And when you go up to the 13th verse, you see what it's talking about. It's talking about that those who are led by the Spirit of God put to death the deeds of the flesh. And in verse 4 and verse 5, it talks over and over again about walking in the Spirit. So the previous part of this chapter is talking about walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, being in the, in the Spirit. And then it goes on to say in, that those that are led by the Spirit of God... Are, are the sons of God. Let's take a look at that scripture uh, for a minute. First of all, don't let that word sons throw you. That applies to uh, men and women both. Because the Apostle Paul taught that in the church, and the kingdom of God, there is neither male nor female, uh, Jew, Jew or Gentile, bond or free. Uh, we, are, we are all sons of God in that sense. The reason it reads this way in those days in the Roman Empire the son was the only one that could receive an inheritance. But in the church of the living God, we all receive the inheritance. We're all heirs of God and joint heirs of Jesus Christ, men and women alike. And so it says uh, we have that privilege, we have that honored position of being uh, adult children, heirs of God. That is our honored position in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what's the evidence of that position? The evidence of that position is that we're led by the Spirit. 
And if we're led by the Spirit, you will see it in the way we talk. You will see it in what we, the things we do. You'll see it in the things that we think about. Uh, that's the evidence of the, of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about Jesus. We'll share the Lord Jesus Christ with, with others. We'll live in a way that honors the Lord Jesus Christ and doesn't bring dishonor to him or to his church. You see, this is, this is what an, an honored position in the family of God will do for us. We will be led by the Spirit of God. So that's our, our confidence that God gives us in our position, is we see by our lives that we're walking in the Spirit, that we're living in the Spirit, that, we're, that the fruit of the Spirit is growing in our lives, that people see the fruit of the Spirit in our life. You know, I had a, a young man make a, a statement to me many years ago that really broke my heart. He said, you know, he said, what do I want to be a Christian for? I said, I said, what do you mean? What do I want to be a Christian for? Explain what you're saying. He said, I've got enough troubles. He said, I know some Christians. And they're always griping and always complaining and always gossiping and always backbiting. He said, I've got enough problems on my job. I don't need it. I didn't even go to church to find that. And then I shared more and, find, and praise the Lord sometime later. This young man did find the Lord as, as his Savior. But... What I'm simply saying, if we're led by the Spirit of God, it's going to show in our lives, in the way we talk, in the things we do, in the way we react uh, to situation. So that's our confidence of our position. Now look at the characteristics, and this is where I want to spend a good part of my my sermon today. The characteristics of our position is uh, seen in verse 15. And there are four characteristics. Watch for them as I read verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption to whom we cry out, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. There are four things that I want you to see that are, that are characteristics of the child of God, the person in that honored position. The first is freedom. You see that? You did not receive the spirit of bondage. And notice in the New King James and most of your translation, that word spirit of bondage is not capital S, but it's a small s because it's talking about an attitude. It's talking about a mood. It's talking about a a disposition. It's talking about a frame of mind. We did not receive a slave's frame frame of mind. Uh, We don't live as slaves who have a cruel taskmaster, but we are in a privileged, honored position. We are free to decide. We are free to access the resources of Almighty God, and we, we are free in Him. So there's freedom. That's one of the characteristics of this wonderful salvation that we have, this honored position that we have. We're free. We're not under bondage. We're not under fear. In fact, it goes on to say, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You know, that was what the Old Testament was mostly all about. It was about fear. You see the children of God as they stand at the mountain and the mountain is trembling and the mountain is quaking and the mountain is is burning and there's a fear of God and the people, the Israelites were fearful lest God would break through and slay them, they said. That's how they viewed God in the Old Testament, that he would break through and slay them. They feared the law. They feared the penalties of the law. They feared many of the penalties of the law were death by, uh, by stoning and those kind of things. And they, and they lived in fear in the Old Testament. That law brought out fear in them. The fear to enter the Holy of Holies lest they be struck uh, dead, uh, the scripture says. But today, you know, many people still view God like that. I talk to people all the time that view God in this manner. They view God as an angry tyrant. 
who's, who's selfish and, and angry and stands in heaven with a, with a baseball bat ready to knock you in the head the first time you, you do anything wrong. You know, I'm so glad that's not the God I serve. I'm so glad that's not the family I'm in. Yes, God has a baseball bat in his hand because if you read uh, Psalm 23, you'll see that the Lord is our, our shepherd and, his, and the, the uh, psalmist said, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Yes, he's got a, and a, and a rod is shaped like a baseball bat. It's heavy on the end like a baseball bat. And so the shepherd has a, a rod, but that rod is not to hit you over the head with. That rod's to beat the devil off with. To beat the devil and the enemy away from you. That's what the rod is for. That's why the rod brings comfort to the sheep. Because we know that God is protecting me. And God is watching uh, over me. And I have that fearlessness. I do not fear, but but I have favor with God. That's the next thing. Favor with God. The doctrine of adoption. The doctrine of adoption. You know, in in Rome, a child didn't have much freedom at all. In fact, in, under the Roman uh, government, a child was considered property of his parents until he became, came to maturity, until he came to full adulthood when he became an heir. But in the early time, he was property uh, without rights. His father had all the rights and privileges over him. If he earned anything, his father could take it away from him. His father could, and many times did, sell him into slavery for profit. Or his father could, uh, could actually put him to death in certain circumstances. But when he became, when he received that adoption, as it was called in the scripture, this is one of the meanings of adoption, he became a full-grown, mature adult. And when he did, it came with privileges. It came with honor. He became an heir of what his father had. And that's the way it is with us as Christians. We were in a sad state we're in a horrible position, but the Lord adopted us. Aren't you glad you're adopted by the Lord Jesus Christ? He's adopted us into his kingdom. You can read about that in the book of Galatians and, and here in Romans, the adoption of the children of God. That little boy that, that was born behind that uh, liquor store, that little boy, when he was adopted by that pastor, he took that pastor's last name. He took his last name. And, he, and that pastor has five other children and three of those children are biological children. Three of them were adopted, but they all have the same rights. They all belong to the same family, and they all are heirs of the, of the father. And that's the way it is with us. We are heirs. There is that, that favor that adoption gives us, the spirit of adoption. We are not by nature sons of God, but God placed us in a family in a favored position as adult sons. Think about that. For a moment. And then the next thing in verse 15 is familiarity. Familiarity. I love this one. I love this one. Okay, let me, let me, I'm getting excited just thinking about it. Abba, Father, where, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. (laughs) Oh, that's perfect timing. God bless that child. That's what I want to illustrate. Abba, Father. Where does that word Abba come from? Well, it's not very erudite, I realize, but it comes from those sounds that a baby makes. You know, ah, ba 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 ah, ba 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 Or, you know, like in my family, it was da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, Before it was a ma-ma-ma-ma-ma. I don't know how that worked in your family, but I, I appreciate that. But uh, that's, that's a word for daddy. We call... <laughs> 
this is beautiful. I want to take that child with me. Uh, Abba. I sat in the marketplace with Pastor Fred Cottrell in Israel the first time I went. Former pastor of this church. I had the privilege of going to Israel with him and my dad. And, it, and we sat in the marketplace. And we heard, heard little uh, children that would climb up into the laps of their uh, daddies. And they would say, Abba, Abba. God wants us to think of our kids. wants us to know he thinks of it this, that way. Not, this, not just that we're way off here, far somewhere, and we're far removed from him, and he's up in heaven just making sure that we, every little step we take is, is good. No, he's our daddy. And when we, when we get that idea, we get that concept of God, it's a beautiful thing. Because I remember in my experience with my kids, when my kids were little, and I was pastoring in Cardiff by the sea, that's where I raised my kids, pastored that great church for 15 years, and and loved everyone. And my kids were, they were interesting kids, two girls and, and a boy. And they were all three little at the time I went there. And I could ask my kids to do something for me when I came home as dad. And I would say, uh, Bobby, I want you to bring in the, the trash, or take out the trash. I want you to, he already brought it in, now you take it out. I said, I want you to take out the trash. Oh, dad, I was going to go play baseball. No, take out the trash. Oh, I don't want to. I'll do it later. I should take a trash. That's one relationship with my boy. But there were other times when I came home and I just got in my easy chair and I said, and I got a children's book. I said, Bobby, Debbie, Laura, come up here. I'm going to read you a book. And they would, they would be in my easy chair and I'd have my arms around them. And we'd all be snuggled up together. And then I would say something like, Hey, Bobby, would you go get me a Coke out of the refrigerator? Oh, yes, Daddy, yes. What was the difference? I was loving him. We were in an intimate situation, a warm situation. God wants us to see him that way. Not just as, not see him as some tyrant that's just bringing judgment and wrath on everybody. I believe in that side. There's definitely that side of God. But I want you to see the other side of God. And I want you to understand that you are in an honored position Because of Jesus Christ and because of his death on the cross and because of his shed blood, you are in an honored position where you can crawl up into his lap and you can call him Daddy. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. I just love that that truth. Now, the confirmation of our position. Romans 16. Let's look at that. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Oh, every word is important in the Bible. So pay attention to every word. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. So that's not saying that you're going to just sit back and you're going to say, okay, Lord, witness to me that I'm a child of God by your Holy Spirit. Witness to me that I'm a child of God. No. It's, what does it say? It bears witness with our spirit. So we declare it. And we know it, and God, by his Holy Spirit, gives witness to it. I had the privilege of going to Life Bible College in Los Angeles. And I was there my first year out of the Navy. I was, I'd gone through Teen Challenge, and then I was at Life Bible College. And I was there the first year that Pastor Jack Hayford, who many of you will know that name, Pastor Jack Hayford, taught the first year that I went to Bible College. And I had three classes with him in my freshman year. And it was a joy. 
But he was looking at this very scripture one day and he said this to the class. He says, notice that it says, the spirit bears witness with our spirit. So you have to bear witness. And as you do, the spirit bears witness. So he said, I want to try something with you. And I'm going to try it with you here this morning. And I hope you'll cooperate. And I think you will, because this is a blessing. He said to us, I want you to say three times, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. He said, say that three times and you will sense the witness of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And so about 100 kids in that class, 100 young people in that class, and we all did it. I'm going to ask this church right now to repeat that three times. I am a child of God with me. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Now give the Lord a hand of praise and glory. Because his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And that's such a, such a wonderful, wonderful truth to receive deep down in our souls. Deep down in our, and I, you know, I accepted the Lord at eight years old in Bakersfield. Bakersfield, California. You know where that is, right? I, was, I, don't, I forgot where I was preaching for a minute. but I received the Lord in Bakersfield at eight years old. There was a brother Metters. And a brother Bush, because that's what we called them all back in that day. We didn't call, you didn't call somebody by their first name in our church at Southside Assembly of God. Uh, it was brother, even the pastor was brother Bloom. Everyone was brother or sister. And I remember so vividly when brother Metters and brother Bush knelt down on a Sunday night when I walked to the altar and repented of my sins after my dad has preached a message on repentance. And those gentlemen stayed with me at that altar and prayed me through to salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit at eight years of age. Well, I got very, very far from God. I got in a lot of trouble beginning at the time I was 14. I don't want to go into my testimony, but I got in a lot of, a lot of trouble. And I ended up uh, by order of a judge. He said, either you're going to go to the California Youth Authority or you're going to go uh, to uh, the California Youth Authority or you're going to go in the Navy. That judge wasn't real bright because take a kid with an alcohol problem and send him in the Navy, that'll straighten him right out. <laughs> but uh, so I went aboard the USS Hornet and we sailed the South China Sea during the Vietnam War and the Sea of Japan and uh, we're home port in Yakuska and things got worse and worse. And one day I was walking on the pike and a man by the name of Don Hall, who's the founder of Teen Challenge in Southern California, Don Hall, I had known when he was assistant pastor in Santa Monica when I was a boy. And I was, uh, I won't tell you what condition I was in, and I was walking down the pike and somebody grabbed me by the shoulder and pushed me against the wall and it was Don Hall. He said, Rick Bloom, what are you doing? And I told him that I had gotten far from God. And he said, Rick, when you get off the ship, I was two weeks from getting off the ship and finishing my tour of duty. And he said, when you get off the ship, he said, you come straight to Teen Challenge. Don't go home. Don't go anywhere else. Come straight to Teen Challenge. And I did. And I was there for six months. Then when the minute, but you know what I realized? I realized I was saved when I was eight years old. I was. And the Holy Spirit was leading me. And I got way off in my flesh and the works of the flesh. But the Holy Spirit led me through corruption. Do you think the Holy Spirit can lead you through corruption? There might be somebody here right now that's in corruption. You're living a life of corruption. But the Holy Spirit can lead. And you say, I can't believe I've fallen so far. 
because I gave my heart to the Lord as a child in a Sunday school class. I can't believe I've fallen so far. But yet the Lord can lead you right through and right back. That's what he did with me. 53 years as a pastor. And now I think, well, I don't know how many, 56 years now that I've been in the ministry. And, the, and with that kind of a testimony, because the Lord led me through that. Because I'm an honored child of God. And God's not about ready to let his kids get away. He's going to bring us back. And I'm so thankful to God that I, I'm a double child of God. I was thinking about this. Because I'm not only adopted, and it's a wonderful, and I'm watching that clock, and, and I'll continue, and I'm watching this clock that you bought me last week. I don't, why'd you buy me a clock? I, I mean, a watch. I, she has to sit here every time I preach. She has to sit and listen. So she bought me a watch. What a loving gift. Thank you, Karen. God bless you. Uh, so I'm aware of the time. But, but I, I just wanted you to, to see how the, how the Lord leads. You know when it happened that the Lord brought me back? I had come out of the... I, I can't believe I'm telling you all this, but I'll probably never see you again, so I can tell you. I, 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 have, I had come out of the back door of the Brown Derby Bar in Yokosuka, Japan. I was far from God. I'd walked away from God. Far from God. And I walked into that alley as a young man. And the next day we were coming back to the States. And I was so far from God. And I walked in that alley and I was all by myself. And I looked up in the sky and I said this. I don't even believe in God. That's what I said. But something welled up on inside of me when I said that. It said, Rick Bloom, this voice of the Holy Spirit, said, Rick Bloom, can you honestly say that Jesus Christ was just another man, that he died like any other man, and that his body corrupted like any other man? Can you honestly say that? And in that alley, I said, no, God, I can't say that because I know Jesus as the Son of God. Do you see what Jesus did? He, through his precious Holy Spirit, he led me through corruption. He's led me through trials. He's led me through heartache and heartbreak. He's led me through obstacles of all kinds because the Holy Spirit leads his people. He bears us up, and whatever you're going through, it's going to get better. I guarantee you it's going to get better because God is leading you, and he's leading us into his very presence. And someday we will, we will be shut in, and sin will be shut out totally and completely. So I close, I close with this. The consequences of our position. The consequences. The first consequence is Airship. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I, my children are heirs of the Bloom Family Trust. Uh, I, I, it's not a big deal, but they're still heirs of it. And uh, <laughs> so it illustrates, you know what an heir is, an heir. But we're not only heirs of God, and that's quite a trust that God has, huh? We're heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ. How do you become an heir? The, the rich young ruler had it all wrong. The rich young ruler said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Yeah, there it is right there. Nothing. Nothing. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. I'm ready to sing again, so we better get to communion. Uh, Jesus paid it all. 
I can't do anything to earn this. this the, the, see, that rich young ruler was a moral, respectable, clean-living, law-abiding young man. But he, he wasn't an heir. Because you don't become an heir by what you do. You become an heir by who you are. And what I'm telling you and what I'm challenging you to, to understand today is that you are a child of God. You are in the happy family of God. You are in an honored position in that family. And we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And the, and the Apostle Peter said that, that that treasure of being a joint heir with Jesus Christ, that is incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you and for me. We are heirs. Then I close with this, and I already said I closed, so, so this time I really will. My dad used to say, when the preachers quit lying, we'll have a revival. So I quit saying I'm closing until I close. Uh, Suffering, that's another thing that we have. We're heirs of God, suffering. I'm in the family of God, and if I'm in the family of God, I'm willing to suffer for him. There are people that are willing to to leave their families here in the United States, as this church well knows, because this is one of the greatest missions churches in the history of the Assemblies of God. And you folks well know that there's people that leave their families, give up their families, and go to a far-off land overseas and leave their children, sometimes in college, and go by themselves, a couple, because God called them. And that's suffering, and they suffer. But, but when we're willing to suffer with him, see, Paul goes on to talk about suffering later on, and he talks about times when faithfulness to Christ will demand suffering. And suffering doesn't mean we're not a son. It's a confirmation of our sonship. And so we are a blessed and an honored people of God. And this scripture gives us the confidence of our position, the characteristics of our position, the confirmation of our position, and the consequences of our position. Shall we pray? Lord, we are trusting you as our Savior. And if there's anyone here today who is not, may they understand that the only way to receive him is through faith and trust in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we're all sinners Some of us think we're better than others, but we're all in the same boat. And that boat is sinking. But Lord, we come to you and you receive us and you rescue us and receive us into your family. And we are those who believe. And those who believe are sons and daughters of God. If there's anybody here who is not a believer, I pray that they'll acknowledge their sinfulness and their need of a Savior and become part of the family of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store.